The Swiss Family Robinson, Chapter 36, Returning Calm. I see, my wife, said I, that you as well as the rest of my family are contented to remain on this island, where it seems it is the will of God for us to dwell, as it is most improbable that in such a tempest Captain Johnson would risk approaching the island if indeed it has not been already fatal to him. I am impatient to learn if Fritz has any tidings of him, for it was on the shore near Tent House that he and Jack passed the night. Well done, my good and courageous boys, said their mother. They might at any rate have given assistance to them if wrecked. You are more courageous than I am, my dear Elizabeth, answered I. I have passed the whole night mourning for my children, and you think only of the good they might have done to their fellow creatures. My sons were awake by this time, and I eagerly inquired if they had discovered any traces of the vessel. Fritz said they had not, but he feared it would never be able to resist the fury of the tempest. No, indeed, said Jack. Those mountains of waves, which were not fixtures like other mountains, came full of gallop to swallow up Fritz the Great, Jack the Little, and their fine canoe. My wife nearly fainted when she heard they had ventured on that terrible sea, and I reminded Fritz that I had forbidden him to do this. But you have often said to me, Father, said he, do unto others as you would ha they should do unto you, and what a happiness it would have been to us when our vessel was wrecked, if we had seen a canoe with two bold men coming to our assistance, said Jack. But go on with your story, Fritz. Fritz continued, we proceeded first to the rocks, and with some difficulty, and not until Jack had shed some blood in the cause, we secured the karata leaves with their ugly thorns at the end. When our sack was full, we proceeded along the rocks towards Tent House. From this height, I tried to discover the ship, but the darkness obscured everything. Once I thought I perceived at a great distance a fixed light, which was neither a star nor the lightning, and which I lost sight of occasionally. We had now arrived at the cascade, which from the noise seemed much swollen by the rain. Our greatest stones were quite hidden by a boiling foam. I would have attempted to cross if I had been alone, but with Jack on my shoulders, I was afraid of the risk. I therefore prepared to follow the course of the river to Family Bridge. The wet ground continually brought us on our knees, and with great difficulty we reached the bridge. But judge of our consternation, I the river had risen so much that the planks were covered, and as we can see, the hole was destroyed. I then told Jack to return to Falcon's Nest with the karata leaves, and I should swim across the river. I returned about a hundred yards up the stream to find a wider and less rapid part, and easily crossed. Judge of my surprise when I saw a human figure approaching to meet us. I had no doubt it was the captain of the vessel, and... And it was Captain Jack, said the bold little fellow. I was determined not to return home, a, a poltron who was afraid of the water. When Fritz was gone, I tried the ridge and soon found that there was not sufficient water over it to risk my being drowned. I took off my boots, 
which might have made me slip in my cloak, which was too heavy, and making a dart, I ran with all my strength across and reached the other side. I put on my boots, which I had in my hands, and advanced to meet Fritz, who called out as soon as he saw me. Is it you, Captain? I tried to say yes, certainly, in a deep tone, but my laughter betrayed me. To my great regret, said Fritz, I should truly have preferred meeting Captain Johnson, but I fear he and his people are at the bottom of the sea. After meeting with Jack, we proceeded to Tent House, where we kindled a good fire and dried ourselves a little. We then refreshed ourselves with some wine, which remained on the table where you had entertained the captain, and proceeded to prepare a signal to inform the vessel we were ready to receive them. We procured a thick bamboo cane from the magazine. I fixed firmly to one end of it the large lantern of the fish's bladder you gave us to take. I filled the lamp with oil and placed it in a thick cotton placed in it a thick cotton wick, which when lighted was very brilliant. Jack and I then placed it on the shore at the entrance of the bay. We fixed it before the rock, which the land wind would not reach it sunk it three or four feet deep into the ground, studied it with stones, and then went to rest over our fire. After this long and difficult labor, after drying ourselves a little, we sat out on our return. When looking towards the sea, we were startled by the appearance of the same light we had noticed before. We heard at the same time the distant report of a gun, which was repeated three or four times at irregular intervals. We were persuaded that it was the vessel calling to us for aid, and remembering the command of our Savior, we thought you would forgive our disobedience if we presented to you in the morning the captain, the lieutenant, and as many as our canoe would contain. We entered it then without any fear, for you know how light and well-balanced it is. And rowing into the bay, the sail was spread to the wind, and we had no more trouble. I then took the helm. My own signal light shone clearly on the shore, and except for the rain which fell in torrents, the waves which washed over our canoe, and uneasiness about the ship and about you, and our fears that the wind might carry us into the open sea, we should have had a delightful little maritime excursion. When we got out of the bay, I perceived the wind was towards Shark's Island, which being directly before the bay forms two entrances to it. I intended to go round it and disembark there, if possible, that it might look out for some trace of the ship, but we found this impossible. The sea ran too high. Besides, we should have been unable to moor our canoe. The land not affording a single tree or anything we could lash to it, and the waves should soon have carried it away. We had now this sight of the light. And hearing no more signals, I began to think on your distress when we did not arrive at the hour we had promised. I therefore resolved to return by the other side of the bay carefully, avoiding the current which would have carted us into the open sea. I lowered the sail by means of the ropes you had fixed to it, and we rowed into port. We carefully moored the canoe, and without returning to Tent House, took the road home. We crossed the bridge as, as Tack had done, bound the waterproof doke and bag of karate leaves where we had left them, and soon after met Ernest. As it was day light, I did not take him for the captain, 
but knew him immediately and felt the deepest remorse when I heard from him, and what anxiety and anguish you had passed the night. Our enterprise was imprudent and altogether useless, which would have been an ample remuneration. I fear all is hopeless. We would do what do you think, father, of their fate? I hope they are far from this dangerous coast, said I, but if still in our neighborhood, we will do all we can to assist them. As soon as the tempest is subsided, we will take the panace and sail round the island. You urged me to this, Fritz, and who knows, but on the opposite side we may find some traces of our own poor sellers, perhaps even meet with them. The weather gradually clearing, I called Ray, my sons to go out with me. My wife earnestly besought me not to venture on the sea. I assured her it was not sufficiently calm, but we must examine our plantations to ascertain what damage was done, and at the same time we might look out for some traces of the wreck. Besides, our animals were becoming clamorous for food. Therefore, with her, we descended to administer in the first place to their wants.